And so we, we have um, the, the image of the three circles um, and we remember our core values, which are deepening spirituality, demonstrating compassion and developing community. And the thing about these, these three values is that each one is essential for a life of faith and each one really needs the others for us to grow. You can't just develop one of them. You can't just choose compassion and leave the other two. Or, or choose spirituality and, and drop the others. And so at the moment, we're asking God to, to grow us spiritually, also to shape how we care and relate to each other, and to um, how, how we can contribute um, to our greater world, to the neighbourhood around us through faith. And today, uh, I want to focus on where spirituality meets community. I want to talk to you about being the church, um, about being the, a community where we grow in our faith together and where together we can influence those around us. So I guess the question for us to be asking today is, what is what's the church and and what does it do? We've all had different experiences of church, no doubt, in our lives and we all have probably gathered some jigsaw pieces together and, and seen them of what the church is. From my earliest adult years, um, I've always had this deep passion for the local church. I really want to see God awaken people and make real change. And I'm convinced that it's the local church that is the vehicle by which this happens. But sometimes we, we kind of lose our focus of what the church really is. Um, we get so used to going through the motions, that sometimes our view of what church really is becomes a bit dull and a bit blurry. It's just like those magic eye puzzles. I don't know if you remember them. I think they were big in the 90s. There's one up on the screen. And um, if yeah, yeah, do you remember those ones? Basically, it's like a, it just looks like a bit of a mess. And you have to adjust your eyes in this weird sort of way, refocus your eyes in a different sort of pattern. It kind of almost feels like you're cross, crossing your eyes together. And then, and then a 3D shape appears. So if you can do this, then what you end up seeing is um, a turtle. Can you, can you show us the next step, slide? That's what, what you'd show. And so in a, in a similar way, sometimes I feel like, um, like, God wants to shift, he wants us to shift our perspective so that the real picture can click into view with a new clarity and freshness for us. I just don't think that we, we know that the church could be more than what we have made it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So sometimes we think the church, yeah, that's what the church is. And, and I'm asking us just to think again today and consider the fact that you might not have a, a full view of the church. Um, so we're going to be talking about the church and we're going to especially be talking about the concept of family. Um, this is something I think we all desire, family, but it's also something that we don't always fully know how to live out. So um, if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to turn it to Ephesians chapter 2 and um, it's going to be on the screen anyway, but um, always good to bring your Bibles if you, if you can. Um, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says this, So then, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what this verse is saying is that when you put your faith in Christ and accept his work on the cross, then you are no longer a stranger or a foreigner, but you are now a fellow citizen among the saints and you're members of the household of God. You're part of God's family. It's, uh, it reminds me of the promise that's written in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 18, which says, where, where God says to us, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the church is a family. But often, uh, I think we often get stuck in a different perspective. Um, we, we get stuck in what I call consumer land, all right? So when I go to a restaurant, um, I care about customer service, you know? Um, I figure I'm paying top price here and it's a special occasion and I feel a bit entitled to receive good service. Does that make sense, you know? Yeah? But I'm also not the kind of person who's going to make a fuss. I don't know if you are. Um, like if if the service isn't good, I'm not the sort of person who calls the manager over and complains. What I do is if I'm left waiting for half an hour or if my food um, comes out cold or there's something wrong with it, um, I all I do is is I just um, I remember and I, I won't go back. That, that's the last time I go to that restaurant, okay? And usually it's appropriate to have that kind of, I guess, consumer approach at a restaurant because it's a business. And, um, you know, that, that sort of makes sense. But if, if I was to approach my family in that kind of way, it wouldn't really work, would it? Can you imagine me uh, coming home from work, sitting down at, at the table, and, um, and then getting all worked up that no one's serving me, no one's bringing me my, you know, my drink and my afternoon tea? Um, it just doesn't work for me to do that because it's not a restaurant, it's my home. Um, I can't just say, all right, you lot, you're not living up to my expectations, so I'm moving to the next house. You know, that's just not okay because it's my family. And there's, there's a different way that we approach family. Um, so the church is a family, it's not a business. But many of us, I reckon we don't even realize that we're doing that consumer thing, but we do that in our church gatherings. So um, I, I think we've just been so programmed that that's the way we, we do things, um, that that's what happens. And and so we, we come to church and we have all these expectations about the way it should be and the way I want it. And and if it's not like that, then, then it's, that, that's not okay and maybe I'll move on to the next place. But you know what? I reckon that none of us really want a consumer-driven church. Do you really want to go to a church where the management come to you, you know, with their bow tie on and, and their towel over their um, arm 
and and they do their best to please you. Um, and you can just pick and choose what you like. You can order from the menu of the things you'd like. And you can even fill your plate with sweets and and just leave the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts and the other less palatable aspects of faith. You can just leave them to the side. Um, don't need them. None of us really want that, right? Because even though sometimes that might sound a bit appealing, deep down we know that um, that that's just going to produce a stagnant faith. It's a stagnant place for our faith to be, where we're never challenged and it's always just about us. If we're only concerned about um, meeting our own needs and wants, then there's something wrong. And so really choosing a, um, a consumer-driven church and chasing after the best and, and the, you know, the service that I want is, is in a way, um, it's, it's actually preventing us from growing. So let's ask ourselves today, do we actually approach church like it's a family? Are we enthusiastic to embrace that concept and celebrate it? This, that sort of approach, I think it requires something of us. Um, I think we instinctively want family, but sometimes we're also a little bit wary of it because it does require a bit more of us. And so we have this tendency to hang back. Roz, um, her family uh, have regular family get-togethers on most Sundays. So the, the thing to do is head down to Eltham, to Roz's parents' house, and there's usually, um, you know, quite a few people there. And when you when you get there, everyone usually has something that they've contributed because we all kind of have a, a shared sense of responsibility. Um, you know, we don't want to burden Roz's mum or dad, and so there's this kind of like we all bring something in, we all chip in. So even if we didn't bring some food that day, you know, maybe we'll help with the cooking or we'll do the washing up, we'll look after the kids. There's just all these kind of different jobs that happen. But, um, you know, we all kind of do those jobs, but we don't go to family get-together to do those jobs. They're, they're just the things that kind of happen in in the, the midst of it all. Um, there's also no sense that it's a performance or, or there's not a jostling for the highest place in the pecking order. It's not like, I'm going to cook today, guys, and I'm going to prove myself to be the best cook in the family or anything like that. Because really, a family get-together, it's simply about being together and enjoying each other's company. But um, but there's also a whole lot of things that kind of get done and that when everyone chips in. So we approach family very differently to how we might approach other endeavours. There are kind of just normal, natural things that you do in family that you just don't do anywhere else. And that's because there's a safety in a healthy family. There's um, a relaxed, sort of grace-filled atmosphere where we feel known and respected and loved by each other. It's a community of grace uh, where we can be honest, we can contribute, we can even make mistakes, and um, we can let our guard down. I hope, um, you know, not all of us have had good family lives, but I hope you can understand that concept, that that's really the, the atmosphere of, of healthy family. When we come to church, that's the culture that we want to create here. It's not about putting on a performance. It's not about, um, you know, who's doing this and who's doing that. And um, But if we sit back 
and we just look critically at all the different elements, then that's not going to work either. So ultimately it's about being in God's presence here, in our Father's presence, and bringing our praises, our gratitude, even our questions and our doubts to God in worship together. One of the key things, um, well, let's let's look at um, our next little bit of Ephesians that we're going to look at today. Um, and you'll see that Paul continues his family language, but this is two chapters on. So Ephesians 4, and uh, we're just going to go through this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies Um, So clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of of his body, the church. So my next point about the church being God's family is that God is maturing you in the church. Family is a place where we develop community. I'm sorry, where we develop maturity. If my daughter suddenly just stopped growing at nine years old. I would be concerned. Her mum would be concerned. Her grandma and grandpa would be concerned. Her cousins would be concerned. We would all do what we could to find out why she's not growing. And maybe we'd take her to the doctor um, because we'd all be concerned for her growth. If the church is a family, then we'll be concerned for each other's growth. Because it's in the family that we think about developing maturity. The main job of being a parent, in fact, is to see our sons and daughters become healthy and mature and grow in every aspect of their life until they come to be, to be healthy adults. And then they might go on to have their own sons and daughters whom they are able to bring up to be healthy and mature. And so there's this natural flow of family. And really, it's all about growing people up, maturing people. Being part of God's family means recognizing that we are growing up together in his likeness, as it says in Ephesians, uh, that we might represent who he is to a world that doesn't know God. Our whole lives are really about that as sons and daughters. We're learning to be like our father. When Tessa was about three years old, Um, I should say first, I've always been the time police in my family, okay? So I'm always the one going, hurry up, guys, it's time to go, we're going to be late, you know? That's my, it seems to be my job. Uh, Not that I asked to be that person, but that's that's what I do. And um, when Tessa was about three years old, um, I I had this habit of once I'm ready, I'm, I'm at the door and I'm just, and, and what I'd say, just to try and be a little bit kind of friendly about being the time police, is let's skedaddle, right? I don't know where, why I did that, but that's just what I used to say. And then um, we, I remember one time when Tessa was, we were going to a park 
and she was the first one ready for once. <laughs> and she was standing at the door and she goes, let's skadiddy, <laughs> let's skadiddy. And because she, she just, you know, she wanted to be like her dad. That, that's, that's what, so that's what she did. Let's skadiddy. Um, so why are we kind? Because we watch our father and we recognize that he is so kind. Why do we forgive one another? Because we, we see our father and we, we want to forgive each other. Why are we generous? Because our God is generous. All these things are becoming part of our lives because we've watched Christ, we've recognized who he is. And now as sons and daughters, as family, we grow into this. Now, um, another thing about children is that they need a lot of external motivation to grow, to grow mature, right? So external motivation goes like this. You know, I'll say to Tessa, Tessa, you need to obey your parents. And she'll say, what if I don't? And I'll say, well, you'll be punished. She goes, okay, I'll obey my parents, <laughs> right? That's, it. That's external motivation. Another, another one is, uh, you know, Tessa, you need to clean up your room. If you clean up your room, then you get your pocket money. So it's positive reinforcement, but it's external motivation. So she cleans up her room because she knows that she won't get her pocket money unless she does, right? The Christian life is an internally motivated, spirit-led life, okay? We're not just given rules and blessings and curses and if we do or don't obey these things, then you know, then this will happen to you or that will happen. That's, that's external motivation. And that's what we need when we're children. But um, as, as Christians, we grow into an internally motivated, spirit-led life where God himself resides in my life and he's, tran- he's the transforming, motivating force. Okay, So as spirit-led believers, we allow the spirit to guide and encourage and motivate us to take our own steps towards personal responsibility. So let's just stop for a second and look at this through the eyes of grace. I'm not saying that every one of us must have reached the heights of maturity right now. We're all in different places and that's, that's fine. But the problem is, is, so the problem is not immaturity. The problem is if you just stay there. Um, this is what the family is about. If you're not fully mature, that's okay. None of us really are. But let's grow together. This is the work of the church. That's, that's what we do. So um, in Ephesians 4, it mentions those spiritual gifts. So the Spirit, God's Spirit, gives us, the church, these giftings. Um, if we're not to stay as immature children, then we have these five gifts. What are these gifts? They're, they're people. They're apostles. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, so those, those are people, those, those gifts. They, they're not just paid ministers, by the way. Um, it's not only, you don't have to be a, um, you know, work for the church to be someone who has those gifts. Um, it's really that God's Spirit gifts the mature among us, the mothers and fathers among us, to, in order to support and build up others. Okay, so we have these, um, these people, these apostles who are, um, pioneering and, and advocating for change and they're able to see where God is working. We have prophets who are attuned to God's voice 
who can bring encouragement to us and, and challenge us. There's evangelists who share God's good news with others and teach us how to do that. There's pastors who are shepherding us and caring and supporting for us, supporting us. There are teachers who are articulating God's word, training and equipping us. But these people, they're not doing the work of the church, okay? They're equipping you to do the work of the church. Does that make sense? So sometimes we think they're the people who are doing the work of the church. But those giftings are there to equip everybody to do the work of the church. Big difference. So we're all called to become mature. What's the main mark of maturity? What does it really mean to say, yep, I think I've started in my journey and I'm a mature person or I'm getting, I'm getting there at least. Um, I reckon that maturity is evident when we show personal responsibility. Okay? I've got a little story. So a man buys a dog and um, as the dog grows up, the dog is out of control. It, it, when, he, when he goes to take it for a walk, it chokes itself half to death on the lead. You know, it just won't stop. It, it just keeps choking. And he just thinks, ah, oh, what am I going to do with this dog? It's, it's just causing me too many problems. It hasn't, you know, it's out of control. So the man sees an ad, and the ad is for a dog training class. And it costs 180 bucks. And he thinks, all right, I think I'm going to do this. So he pays the money. And he goes to the class with his dog. And it's already a bit embarrassing as he kind of walks in because his dog won't settle down and, and, and won't sit in front of him like all the other dogs seem to be doing, but it's rushing around. But he notices that when the trainer starts the class, she's talking to him. She's not talking to her dog, to his dog. She's talking to him. And he thinks, why are you talking to me? I... I've, I've paid good money so that you can fix my dog. So why aren't you doing that? Why are you wasting this time talking to me? And gradually, slowly but surely, he recognises, ah, I get it now. After two or three lessons, he realises that the dog training classes, they don't train dogs. They equip owners to train dogs. Okay, so it's the owner's responsibility it's his responsibility to learn how to train his dog and it's the trainer's responsibility to equip him to do it, okay? So we, we have to be careful, I reckon, about expecting our leaders to do what God has actually asked us to do. Um, we say, I want leadership to do things for me that can kind of accomplish my Christian life for me. Just say we all want to get more connected to each other. You know, we've been listening to these sermons and we think, yeah, I really want to um, make deeper connections with my church family. So one option would be for you to come up to me and to say, what are you doing to get us plugged into each other? Like, what programs have you, are you running? Um, can you put on a luncheon? Can you, you know, put on a special event? But another option that shows personal responsibility is just to do it yourself. Go ahead, invite somebody over for dinner. Get a, go and get a coffee with someone. Um, even organise a party and, and do that. You don't need my permission. You can go and do that. And to see how that shows personal responsibility. It's like, I care about 
our church connecting. And so I'm going to go and do this myself. I'm not opposed, don't get me wrong, to building some structures, you know, putting on some events to help those things happen. But um, there's this kind of question that comes to me that says, you know, are you really totally reliant on the leadership before you can make decisions to do things in your Christian life? So the problem is that, um, because I find this happening for me, is that I actually want to meet your needs. (laughs) And so sometimes, though, by meeting your every need, I actually take away your personal responsibility. So it's, it's also partly on me. I have to make sure that I don't just go, oh, let me do that for you. Because by doing that, it might be a relief to you. Oh, good, I don't have to do that thing because Matt's going to do it for me. But it's also really limiting your maturity and growth because you never get to try it. You never get to do it. So developing a shared personal responsibility is what healthy families do. When we are able to support and build each other up, just watch what God will do in us to reach our city. So just to conclude, I want us just to imagine what the church can be. So you've been coming along, you've got a picture of what it is, and I want you just to to think, what could it be? What more could it be? Imagine someone in your family or a friend of yours comes to faith and they want to come along to church. So they find out that they have a father who loves them our loving Father, then when they come to be a part of God's family, what are they coming to when they come here? Uh, Will they experience God's love in the context of this church family? What's the quality of this family that they are being welcomed into? A healthy family is one of the most attractive things on the planet. There's people all over the place who are living in dysfunction, who are living lonely and broken lives. And healthy and inclusive family is just so powerful. People can just tell when they walk in that this is a good place. This is where they want to be. And that's my heart for the local church, is for us to be that place, for people to come and just immediately recognize, I'm welcome here. This is like a family for me. And and we're a place where I can heal place where I can grow, a place where I can become a mature Christian. Let me pray. Lord God, show us where we've been approaching church the wrong way, not as a family. Show us areas of our lives where we've remained immature. Deepen our relationships with each other, we pray. Open our hearts and our minds to your Spirit's guidance and the gifting that you want to bring through us. May personal responsibility grow in us, we pray. May we be an internally motivated, spirit-led people. Amen. All right, we're going to just spend a little bit of time now um, in response. So there'll there'll be a song playing. You can get your response card um, and you should have your pencil there. Um, And if you don't, there's, is there anyone who's looking for a response card and a pen, pencil? Um, I'll, I'll come around in a sec and, and just make sure um, that you've got one. But uh, on the screen, there's a few questions for you just to consider um, in this time. Now, for the response card, really, the, the, I, I think the most important thing is just to, to think, God, what have you said to me today? Maybe it's through the sermon. 
Maybe it's even through a song or it could have been through, um, through John's prayer or anything. But it's just your chance to write how, where you feel God's spoken to you. These questions are particularly to do with our message. And um, I, I ask you to consider them as well. So you can just choose one. You don't have to answer all three. Here they are. How have I matured in faith in the last few months or in the last year or in the last five years? Good question to ask yourself. Has the Holy Spirit been motivating me to step out in faith in some new way lately? So we've, we've heard about how the Spirit gifts us and, and, and leads us and pushes us into that space of personal responsibility. Maybe there's something that's been on your mind but you haven't acted on it yet. You could write that down. What steps can I take to grow in maturity by showing personal responsibility for a key area of faith I'm passionate about? So if maybe there's something that you want to actually step out and do. Um, so I'm going to leave you now um, just for a few minutes um, and then we're going to close with a song. Um, so yeah, I'll just invite you to spend this time in prayerful reflection. strength.